0: embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you, because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova and today i have a well, i have an in studio guest but i also have i guess i have an in studio co-host she's not very um i don't know how much she's going to participate but she uh she's she's a a small puppy her name's button and uh she's a dachshund and right now she's playing with her uh, a little bone and um it's pretty cool that i brought button here to the studio today because i don't know that i've ever met an animal that embodied love more than button button is like when you walk in the house or when you wake up in the morning she like rolls over flops on her back starts kicking her legs and just like like give me love give me love give me love and i know a lot of dogs obviously like they jump on us they jump in our arms they do all these things but there's something about buttons being that's just like love and soaks it up and i know that when i get to start my day with this dog everything is better um, it's almost like it's a reminder of like, hey, this is who we are. This is who we are at our core. This is who we are without all the, the gunk and beliefs and stories and nonsense that our society and our upbringing and all these things put on us. Um, so it's pretty cool that she's here today, uh, sort of co-hosting, sort of hanging out at my feet, um, because our guest today is calls herself an advocate for love. So I want to say that the universe had it aligned, uh, and Button didn't show up with me randomly today for no reason. Um, my guest today is a writer and a poet. She's an advocate for love. She's a veteran of corporate America. So I'm curious because it's veteran, right? Like, does she have any PTSD from corporate America? I know I kind of do. Um, she's also a guided meditation teacher. She has a really motivating, inspiring, and just like very visually appeasing website called love paper pen and i'm gonna do my best right now with names because you guys that listen to the podcast know that's like my kryptonite but my guest today is aliana mo alam did i yeah. did, did i get it
1: you did it oh, yes
0: we're already winning <laughs> thanks button how are you
1: hey alex so good to connect with you and can i just say i am so jealous i wish i was there in person right next to button more than you know
0: i i mean if if you uh well you have instagram you're, you're you if you on my story right before we started recording i put a little story of button so i'm
1: gonna go check it out if right you, after this yeah
0: she's sitting there like right by my feet looking up at me like hey do i get headphones <laughs> but she's pretty perfect how is let's um you said you have dogs do you feel that I way do. like you know do you get that like are your dogs like that are they more you know i i I. I have lots of relationships with dogs and I've never had one like this.
1: Yeah. I think it's really special. I think, um, you know, connecting with animals on that level and the purity of their, um, of their love, you know, they, they expect nothing from you. They want nothing, maybe treats. Yeah. They do want that. But other than that, they have no expectations of you. They're always there for you. I mean, I think they really, um, embody, um, just love and having them around is, is such a, such a pleasure.
0: Yeah. And it shifts like who we're, you know, who were, how we show up. I never, you know, I had grew up with dogs, but like, I never thought about it. Right. They weren't like mine. They were, I was a kid, they were my parents' dogs. And I mean, they were the family dogs. Right. But like being an adult and even though Button is, does not belong to me, um, unless I, you know, move three States over and steal her. um, It's like just you know, waking up with her or coming home, and I actually take her, I'll put her in the car and I take her places with me. Um, it's like I show up differently in the world, like more love comes out of me and more joy and more ease. And I even like practice like, hey, what if as a human, I lived more like a dog, doll- like I lived more like a puppy, like more just like in play and enjoyment versus, you know, the human like fear, scarcity. I
1: don't know. That's right. I think you're you're right on the money with that. Because you know, a lot of my focus lately has been um, on living in the moment. It's something that I'm actively working on every day because I'm an overthinker. I'm somebody that always tends to dwell in the what ifs um, or kind of, you know, reliving the past. And so I actively, through yoga and through meditation, uh, practice being in the moment. And I think dogs um, display that perfectly because they're always in the moment. You know, they're not worrying about that. Uh, 10 minutes ago they were outside chasing a squirrel or, you know, where's my next walk going to come? They're 100% at, at every moment in this moment. And I think that's really the way to live life. I think in that in that space is really where happiness resides. The stress comes from the worry of the future, from, you know, resentment of the past, in this moment, and I think my dog agrees. He's barking out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is uh, is really something that we can learn from them and, and try to do more of.
0: How did you get into this? I know I said I want to talk about like the you know leaving the corporate world, but how did you find your way to mindfulness, meditation, yoga? You know, trying to get more present and and not living like in kind of the default way that we're kind of all born into, just by growing up in in the world that we live in.
1: Yeah, so I think it's been a really long road for me. Um, Writing is something that I've always done, you know, on the side. Um, And it's just been a a really great way to express how I feel even to myself. Um, But then uh, the more I had experienced uh, the practice of yoga, the more, you know, which really is um, active meditation is what I like to call it. Uh, Because, again, it brings your mind and your body into one space, one room focused on one thing, which allows the stress and worry of everything else, the outside world, um, you know, to stay outside. And so the more time I spent in that space, um, the more I enjoyed it, the more I wanted to be there um, and the more, you know, I I made time for it.
0: Guys, what's up? This is Alex Terranova, taking a little break for a second from that podcast episode to tell you about my book. I wrote a book. It's crazy, right? But it's for real For real, for real Like for real, for real, for real I wrote a book It's called Fictional Authenticity Release Your Past Start Living Your Real Life So you guys can pick this book up Right now on Amazon Basically At 32 years old I woke up I saw that like Everything I was living Was a story And it was bullshit And this book is my journey of realizing that the life I had created was this life that I envisioned as a child. And as a grown-up, it wasn't real. It was imaginary and inauthentic, even though I felt like it was authentic. And I think we all have aspects of this. And that's why I wrote this book. I wrote this book for people who don't normally read personal development self-help whatnot to to just take you through my journey and what i did to really transform my life and throughout the book i give you practices tools and tips that you can do so you can do this in your life it's called fictional authenticity release your past start living your real life and you can get it on amazon now now let's hop back into the episode what did it what did you notice that it specifically like shifted For you, like, what were you struggling with or challenged by or dealing with that when you started to do meditation and yoga that suddenly you're like, oh, my God, those things? Yeah, so uh,
1: I'm definitely an overthinker and I know I'm not alone. So I find um, you mentioned uh, PTSD earlier and, (laughs) uh, you know, yes, absolutely. I think every one of us has some form of PTSD. Um, You know, I was working in uh, New York City at the time of 9-11 and I was on my way to work. Um, during that entire tragedy and you know so that left certain levels of PTSD in me but there are other levels and I think it's really important for each and every one of us to recognize what those PTSD stresses are in our lives you know your childhood what tragedies did you walk away from and what are you carrying with you throughout your life and how is it affecting your day-to-day relationships um you know um, inter inter excuse me um experiences with sometimes the police department can leave PTSD. Right. So, I mean, there's so many different levels of PTSD and I think not taking the time to understand them and really, um, dig out of them could really harm a lot of our progress, our self growth, our relationships in life.
0: What were those, like, how did that show up for you? Like the, you know, you said overthinking, um, what was the, like, what were the really, what were the conversations that you were having, you know, in your head, especially around, you know, you were being in, you know, in New York, you're actually the, probably the third or fourth guest I've had on the podcast that had some connection to 9-11. Um, I've had guests that, you know, went there and, and uh, supported the rescue efforts. I've had, had a guest that was in the city and, and some homeless person reached out. Actually, I'm, I don't know if you're familiar with David G., the meditation teacher. Um,
1: it sounds familiar. That name sounds familiar.
0: He's a huge meditation teacher. Used to run the Chopra Center. He was on the podcast, and he talked about how he was there at that time, and and um, actually a homeless person reached out and grabbed his leg and made a comment to him that changed his whole life.
1: Oh wow! But what, I have to go back and listen to that for sure.
0: What What was it for you? Like, what were the What are the conversations that you have around overthinking that are like? were stifling you or or causing you to not be able to live the life you wanted to live?
1: No, I, they would show up unannounced um, and in many different occasions. And it took me a really, really long time to even recognize that they were there. Um, And I was always um, in some form of worry um, I don't know exactly where that came, where that stems from still, like whether that was um, instilled in my childhood, if it was learned behavior, but I always, my brain finds a way to think of the worst case scenario. <laughs> and it's so unfortunate because, uh, you know, that's not where you want to be. I am all about being positive and, and, and um, optimistic and hoping for the best, but yet this machine that I have in my head, right, my mm-hmm. brain, it always kind of tends to, shift lanes and go into that gear so i actively have to bring it back um, and it was always a worry you know well, well it, it just depends what stage in my life you know if you take me um prior to my college years is oh my gosh am, am i going to get this diploma and i'm working full time how will i accomplish this um, you know after that is what will i do with that degree and and you know will i get that promotion i i don't think i'm worthy of it and you know um Will I buy a home? Things are so expensive, especially in this metropolitan area. And like, when I look back now into my life, I've done each and every one of those things that I was worried about. And I've done it really, really well. And I've accomplished each and every one of them and excelled at it. So um, it all happened, but yet that worry, that stress about it not happening or not going well is something that I've lived with. And it just persisted and, and was always like a dark shadow. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. People who suffer from anxiety um, or depression, you know, they're still doing what they need to do, but they're doing it with this heavy weight of of anxiety, of fear, of worry. And so I've kind of devoted myself and my future purpose to um, number one, uncovering all those layers from myself. And then when I'm able to do that, and, you know, it's a constant work in progress, I've come a really long way. But there's always more work to do, and then also while I do that, just finding little ways to help others do the same, whether it's you know through my writing or through meditation or you know the yoga practice, whatever that channel is, um, is really my goal.
0: Yo, I want to take one second to shout out and acknowledge the sponsor of this podcast. I am truly grateful for them, not just for sponsoring this podcast, but because this program changed my life. If you're looking for a spark, if you're looking for change, if you're looking for transformation, leadership, training, or coach training, Accomplishment Coaching is really the world's finest training program. You should check it out at accomplishmentcoaching.com. Now let's hop back into the episode. I like that you went through the timeline of your life a little bit because I know that I find with, you know, maybe myself or with clients or people that I meet that they often are in a conversation of like, well, it's busy right now. Like when I get, when I get done with this thing or when I finish this project or after my parents visit or after, you know, I get the promotion or some, there's like a thing that's happening or about to happen that they think like there's a belief that, well, when that happens and it's over, then all of a sudden their life will be good or fine or calm Um, You know, we hear people say all the time, things are so busy right now. They're crazy right now. And it's like, for most of us, if you're actually up to something, if you have any goals or or people in your life that matter, you have jobs, there's always something. It's never like, wow, for six months, I've been really like nothing's going on. And that's, and that's a different. That's right. If that's the case, okay. you're that's a whole different thing. You're probably not listening to podcasts trying to grow. <laughs> um, so I love that you did because it it's it is. There's always going to be another thing. So it's like if you don't actually support yourself in the present moment while you're in the midst of the thing or the right. things, then it's kind of like you're you're just like living in denial.
1: That's right, and you know it goes back to our um, conversation of living in the moment. I think so many of us are, especially now with the presence of social media, you know, and it forces us into these thoughts that just go around and around in the head. Well, where's my next vacation going to be? You know, everyone else is doing something. When when am I going to get to do that? And and from that comes a lot of, it's really the source of frustration and stress and worry um, is just, anticipating and waiting for something where you can be happy right now in this moment. I think just having presence and everything that we do makes us that much more enjoyable, right? Whether you are, you could be, yes, you could be somewhere in a beach, right? In some beautiful remote island, but you could also be in a grocery store. You could be shopping for your family and appreciating every encounter that you run into. That's been really a a transition, a big transition in my life when I started to be fully, fully present in the moment. And, you know, those experience, those mundane type of things that we do, like going to the supermarket, but that every exchange that you encounter, whether it's the, uh, the clerk that helps you or another person that you spark a conversation with, all those could be so meaningful. And you can walk away from every one of those exchanges with something To hold on to, right? Something, some a learning experience, and a lot of times we just blindfoldedly just walk through these routine things, and just with a destination in mind, where we're going, right? And we're bypassing all of this greatness that could be here in this moment.
0: You, I'm, I'm like, I'm get as you were talking, I was thinking about your like your presence online and in social media and you you have a strong presence you're active and i know that a lot of anxiety and depression especially in our culture and but it's really Mm -hmm. like the whole world um is created because of social media it's not to say that social media is a bad thing or the internet's a bad thing of course they're not they're just Things right, they're just tools. However, we use them. But a lot of people, you know, and being active on those things, are like seeing everyone on va- vacation. You know, we're always looking at everyone else's highlight reel. Like, if you look, if I look at your social media right now, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's appealing. It's I'm inspiring. On somewhere
1: at a, on a shore, somewhere doing Yeah, right. Like, that's it's... what I do twenty four seven. Right.
0: Yeah, and of course, that's <laughs> not in re- mind. Is it's not reality and. But how do you as someone who's because I find myself like if I didn't have a business or a podcast, I would not have social media like it would be deleted off my phone because I'm so much happier. Like it's it's just a tool that kind of gets like I mindfully get sucked into that isn't actually supporting my life. But I need it. I feel like I need it for business and podcasting and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you balance that so it doesn't lead you into those places of FOMO and anxiety and wishing like, God, I haven't been on a vacation in a while. And what do you do with that?
1: That's a really great, great, great question, because it's something that I've been um, thinking about quite a lot, because I find myself in that exact place that you just described, where, you know, I want to be present. I want to share my messages and and put put out some positivity out there. And there are also a lot of people that I interact with that do that for me, right? I follow people like yourself and others who are inspiring and, and positive and motivational. So there's definitely great, great uh, benefits that come out of social media, but there's that other side of it, right? That sucks you in that like darker side of it that maybe waste your time where you keep, you could be more productive. You could be doing some physical exercises or working on your business, but yet you just spend 45 minutes, you know, looking at your cousin's neighbor that you met when you were five because you suddenly <laughs> bumped into their Instagram feed, right? So that's just this addictive portion of it. So I myself have been struggling, struggling with it lately because it's all about finding that healthy balance, right? So what I've been doing more so um, over the past couple of months is I kind of check out right? So particularly on the weekends is when I try to take the time out to be with my family and do things that I like um, in nature and and so forth. I don't go on for a day or two at a time. And I know sometimes I feel like when I do come back, it feels like I'm, oh my gosh, I missed everything, right? People got married, they had babies. It's only been a weekend. Um, But (laughs) I feel that- Nine
0: months of pregnancy (laughs) in a weekend.
1: That's right. But I feel it- it's a healthy balance for me because I don't want to fall into that trap. I don't want to get caught up and, you know, I could say, no, I don't care that you just went to Hawaii, Alex, and then tomorrow you're going to, you know, London. Like, But deep down inside, that sounds awesome, and I want to do that, right? And even when it comes to hiking, and I see people in, like, Colorado or in these beautiful places in Indonesia, it's not that I don't, you know, I'm jealous. It's that I, I admire them. I want to be there. I want to travel the world, you know? So you can't help but fall into into that thinking and the subliminally It starts making you not appreciate the world around you and everything that you have so it's something that i've been trying to find a balance with as well so i've been treating social media lately kind of like a job in a way that like okay monday through friday you know especially on mondays i typically wake up and i'm like all right let's go let's do this um you know i like to share and and um, write some stuff and get it out there and then when the time comes that it's really time for me to be with my family Um, with my friends and or out in the quiet that's when I kind of take a step back and then you know I'll post those pictures later because I'm always taking pictures like that's happening right whether I'm on or offline but you know when I get take the time to put it out there is is completely up to
0: me you um on your website and and you you know I shared at the top when I was introducing you you call yourself an advocate for love and I do what does that mean Like how when, when somebody says, I think I know what it means, but I'm curious when you, when you meet, if you were in an elevator and I said, you know, Hey, what do you do? And you're like, I'm an advocate for love. (laughs) What does it mean? You
1: probably look at me like I'm crazy, but, um, yeah. So for me, it's kind of the foundation of everything I do because a, a few years back, I kind of had this epiphany, um, and it was almost like a white light, um, just kind of shines all over my life. Um, And what I realized, and it's, you know, thanks um, in large to my husband, who's like always pushing me, always challenging my beliefs, always questioning, um, you know, what I stand for. That's always uh, encouraged me to go back. You know, obviously I would argue with him in the moment. Then I would go back and like, why? he has a point. Why am I so judgy about this? Why am I so... Uncomfortable with that, and that would really force me to go deeper into my own psyche and understand where things are coming from. So, what I realized a few years ago um, was that uh, this this way of life that I was living, and I don't, I'm not alone in that. You know, it's it's this society conditioning that I think happens to us that forces us to be, especially depending where you're from, right? So, I came from Europe. Um, I moved to the States at a tender age of 12, right? Talk about a a very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. sensitive time in a person's life. And so I came into this country, um, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, doing everything I could in my might to fit in. Um, And so I grew up in Staten Island, you know, in New York, where there's this, there's a lot of attitude, right? (laughs) People have a lot of strong ideas, they think they're right, um, and, you know, I, I love them for it in many ways, but... On the, on the other side of it, that darker shadow side of it is a lot of um, competition and I'm better than you and, and look at me. And, you know, there's a lot of that that, that resides in our culture today. Um, and what I realized eventually was what that ends up doing is dividing us. It's separating us on such shallow levels and it's creating a lot of turmoil and a lot of hurt, I think, throughout the world. Mm. And the, the deeper I went into my own psyche, and I started realizing and seeing people, people's needs on the deeper level, which is the same for me, it's the same for you, it's the same for a person living in Zimbabwe right now. And that's the, found, the fundamental truth that we all want to be loved. We all want the same things. We want to be respected, we want to be heard, we want to be understood. And that goes for every single person, no matter your background, your nationality, your cultural background. So once I kind of saw that, it was like no one going back for me because I saw people now on this level. And um I just try to see people as I would myself. So somebody who's a stranger who's in a car next to me at a red light. You know, no matter what they are, their background, their their story, their life story, I know that they want the same things I want. And that unites us so much more than our differences. And so that's my outlook on life. And, I, and that's kind of what I try to share through my writing and everything I do is, hey, we all want the same thing. So why are we here, you know? Arguing over our our small opinions, whether it's politics or, you know, um, countries and there's a deeper level. And that's why I hope people could find time to, to see
0: it, it brings us to like a really interesting, like piece that we can look at. Um, because I, I, look, I agree with you. Like, look at people, you as me, uh buttons whimpering she's like yeah like you know we're all the same even us dogs um but how do we use this practically right because there's people that you know when i look at like politics or the things that are going on in in this country i think that at if i sat everyone down people would say if i if i sat everyone down and i asked people what they really wanted as an outcome. I think what people would answer is what you're saying, like, Hey, we want to live prosperous lives. We want to be safe. We want love. We want to be well fed. Like I think ultimately what everyone wants, wherever they fall on a, on the spectrum pretty much is the same. But then when we dig into how do you get there, it goes, it gets real wacky all of a sudden it's like, well, money matters more than people. We need to, you know, money, we should spend money on this and not on this. And, people should be able to do it themselves and we shouldn't help people. And all of a sudden, right, we get into the spectrum of political or social beliefs about things. Right. How do we apply this, you know, to, yeah. how do we apply this to actually have something, have it have an actual like tangible impact? Well,
1: wow, That's a great question. Um, peace in the Middle East, right? It's something <laughs> sure, that people yeah. have been asking for, praying for, for the longest time, Um, You know, but my husband is actually uh, from uh, that region. So when when you look, and he literally, in his um, background, he has uh, heritage from both sides of, you know, that dispute. And yet, somehow, these people got together and had families. And and if you look at somebody from, I don't know, uh, Israel and Iraq, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart, right? But yet, there's this political huge divide that separates uh generations right um and i think when we look at these issues we look at them on you know a global scale they are so overwhelming um there is no one solution there is no pill you know there's no shortcut Um, and i think that real change starts from the roots up it starts on a smaller level and then grows right so for me, it's about planting seeds. It's about having conversations like me and you are having. The conversations that I have with my friends and in uh, my family, and and spreading um, love, spreading this understanding, these uh, concepts that we yes we can uh, unite and we can be peaceful. And yes, it, it won't happen in my lifetime. Like it's not going to go viral, right? It's not going to be all over the internet tomorrow, but. Uh, if we have those conversations and if many of us share that through uh, social media, uh, through the internet and all these different ways that we now have uh, to connect, right? That's the other, the beautiful side of the internet is that people like me and you can talk, right? Mm-hmm. I can talk to somebody in Europe and I can share these ideas and, and they can read, they can go to my blog and they can read that um, that thought and an idea and maybe send it to their family. So, Um, I guess in short, I think it it has to start on a smaller level. I think a lot of people, especially the way that we are globally connected now, people are looking for one-size-fits-all solutions, and it's just not how things work, right? When people aren't feeling good, they go to the doctor, they get a prescription, and they expect it to work, when in reality, what they really need to do is not treat the symptom, but treat the cause. And the causes, they're not walking enough, they're not eating right, they're not participating in healthy activities, they're not reading enough, you know, so that's a, re- that's a lot of work that you have to do to make the right long term solution. And a lot of times people want a short, quick fix. Um, so, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's just, what can I do to help the word world go in that direction? And I can't tell Trump, Anything, right? That's going to change anything about um, his policies or the world. But I can be loving and supporting to everyone that I meet in my entire network.
0: I, um, like, I was just in a conversation recently with um, two people who I want to say, if we looked at our political views, I probably align with them m- like eighty or ninety on eighty or ninety percent. Let's say of the things i hear you button no hey bye can it's you okay. can you hear her crying she's like this <laughs> is deep um uh so i aligned with them on probably 80 or 90 percent of topics and issues and we were talking about you know the the problems in our society and and the anger and the hate and the just like just like the polar opposite frustration and a lot of that it's really hard to tell like where we actually are because our interpretation is only through media, right? Like I don't actually know what people in Alabama are thinking or feeling because I'm not in Alabama with those people, right? I only yeah. know what the media would tell me about people there or the, and and there they would only the same thing about people in California. And we could say this about anywhere, right? Like I have no idea what's going on in other countries except for what the media tells me. Right. And, but in this conversation, we got into talking about the things, the the, the things that were are troublesome and difficult, and um, the people I was speaking with, you know, were really like the other side is the problem, mm-hmm. and I may or may not agree with, like that in the on a very human level, but on a bigger level, I I shared with them if we're pointing fingers at each other, we have no leg to stand on, because I can't point at you and say. Hey Ali, you're wrong, and then hope that we can get somewhere with that yeah. once I point at you and tell you you're wrong or that you're stupid or you ha or you're messed up or whatever I say, all of a sudden, what happens? You get defensive, right? And then you probably That's double funny. down on your on your stance. yeah, and so we it was really hard. I kept kind of saying like we actually have to love them. We have to have that like Gandhi Martin Luther King. Yeah stance where it's like hey you actually have to and it's it's a jesus thing too right like you have to like love your enemy you actually have to love the person that's on the other side staring you down even if they're unwilling to love you That's right How do you the the I can see it and I can say it and one of them was like oh so you expect me to you know go up to this person that they would consider dangerous on the other side and love them that's and I was like well I don't literally mean you should go out on the street and walk up to them. I mean, you could, uh, and Martin Luther King would have advocated for that. Right. He wasn't, he wasn't worried like, Hey, we should only march in Alabama if it's going to be safe. No, it was like our cause is bigger than the concern of us getting hurt. And Gandhi, same thing, right. Starving himself wasn't safe or smart, but what he was up to was bigger than that. How do you think like, like the thing that I noticed is I couldn't get that message to land. the, And even though I agreed with them, like I was on their side of the political spectrum, they still couldn't hear like, hey, we actually can't make the other side wrong and they can't make us wrong. Otherwise, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, which is divide, divide, divide.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the answer to your question is twofold. Um, Number one is these conversations, right? So a lot of times, and you hit it right on the money when you said, even if you are making sense and you're correct in your statement, Um, the person's ego and their own, um, you know, inability to see themselves in the wrong will prevent them from agreeing with you. And they'll keep arguing and they'll keep fully, you know, going forward, even if they're realizing they're, because they're down the rabbit hole now. If they go back, you know, they're going to look like a fool in their mind. So they carry on. So what I think what happens in a lot of these conversations is little seeds are planted, right? And if people walk away, like the, the arguments that I mentioned with my husband where he's challenged me to question my own beliefs, you know, in that moment, I didn't admit it. But late at night, you know, when we're going to bed and I'm I can't sleep and I'm thinking, shoot, he was right. Like, those are the moments, those are the changing moments that will happen. And if you just allow people to walk away with that. Right. Um, But to your previous question, how do we, what approach can we take to, um, to spread the love and, and to try to love your enemy, I think it's all about the understanding that we are all love at the core and everything else that's on the surface, the nationality, the background, the upbringing, the political beliefs, those are all just level layers of conditioning that build up a person. And the more that we see a person in that light, the more tolerant we can become to the things that they do. Right, you, as Gandhi would say, if you if you walk up to a person who's angry and frustrated, you know, if you if you allow their anger and their frustration to to wash over you, you're left letting their ideology win. But the more you are peaceful to them, the more you are understanding with them, the more their frustration, you know, will fade and will tame. So I it, I always try to see people and try to understand where they're coming from. Even if, if I wholeheartedly believe that they are wrong. And I'll give you an example. I have uh, plans to travel to Canada over the next couple of weeks, and I've booked the reservation, have everything planned, and I was planning to travel with my dogs. One of my dogs is a pit bull. And so through my research, I learned that the um, Ontario Providence has banned the breed of pit bulls. So I literally cannot step foot into their country without them seizing my dog and actually euthanizing it. So um, I disagree with that wholeheartedly because I, I absolutely love my dog. He's the sweetest thing. He's you know, more tame than my beagle, maybe even more than button. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but he doesn't look like that on the outside. So I get that. I get that people... Are scared of him. I get that people have heard these negative stories on the news about pit bulls, you know, tearing a person apart and and doing these horrible things. But I know it for what it really is, that a dog is a dog is a dog. They want to be loved. They want to be treated. They want to have a home. They love their owners. They love to play. Uh, But I also try to understand the fear behind uh, the people who feel that way. So um, I'm not going to Canada, long story short, I'm, I'm changing my plans. Um, but I'm also not, you know, I'm not going around um, hating Canadians because they banned pit bulls. I just won't, you know, bring my tourist business there because it doesn't meet my beliefs. Um, so I really encourage everyone to understand that everyone with their strong opinion is just conditioned in their own way based on their upbringing, their parents. You know, our parents are such a source. Of who we are, um, a lot of us don't realize that. Uh, but I always encourage people to evaluate their their childhood, look back on how you were brought up, the feelings that you walked away from. Did you have a happy home? Did you go through a divorce? These kind of things leave a lot of scars, and if left unattended, you know they can really create deep, deep rooted issues.
0: Thanks for you know sharing your own, you know the, your own, <laughs> the, your own the things that you're dealing with cuz they're, you know, no more like they're no better or worse than anyone else's, right? We all have our this our our own beliefs and our own things and we're always going to agree or disagree. Like that's never yeah. going to go away. Yeah. You spoke to love at the core. I um I have a book that uh, will be out and I don't know when this podcast will be released, but my book will be out in September. And one of the issues I talk about is like at our core we are love. Love is was there before anything else. And some people who have done some reading of my book in the like in the draft stages and whatnot are like, How do you know this? Why do you, you know, why do you get to say this as like as if it's <laughs> truth? And I, I don't actually believe anything I say is truth. I don't believe anything anyone says is truth. I think truth is fluid and it's all based on perception. Um, you know, if yeah. we consider tables tables, but if we went to a place where they use tables as surfboards, tables are surfboards there. Um You know, it's, it's, it's all relative and all pers and, and, and changing all the time. But how do you, you speak to it a lot. How do you kind of explain like that love is what we are at the core?
1: How do I explain it? Um, I think by observing it, I see it. Children are an amazing example. If you observe and spend some time with a child, I think. It's a perfect uh, specimen of what we really are. What do ch- children want? They want to play. They want to be loved. They want to feel safe. They want to be heard. These are the things that we still want as we grow up and become into these so-called, you know, adults and and grown-ups. But really, at the core, we're still those children, just in this, you know, aging form. Um, And so I see that in children and I recognize that. And I love that so much. I love spending time with kids because they're in the moment, just like dogs. They're present. They're not worrying about yesterday. They're not, you know, they don't have anxiety uh, about tomorrow. Um, And so to me, that's pure love. That's what we're meant to be. And then comes the conditioning. It's your parents. It's the schooling. It's the work. It's the neighborhood. It's the tragedies in your family, in your life. You know, they, they all start to compound and develop this, um, this individual who's now guarded, who's now trying to protect themselves because they have PTSD that they're carrying with them. Um, but at the very core is this child, is this kid who wanted nothing more than to be loved, no matter where they are growing up, if it's in Africa, America, you know, Russia, it doesn't matter. They don't care about politics, they don't care. If that's why you see children together in a playground, it takes them but two minutes to make friends. They don't care where your friend is from, you know, up to a certain age, of course, then these outside forces start shaping their opinions. Um, but that to me um, is, is pure love. And that's what I think is what we all are at the heart of it all.
0: Thanks. I think um, I, I think it's really hard to be love and share love and especially give love and express it with, it's much more difficult with people we don't agree with, or people that challenge us or trigger things within us. And I think a lot of that starts with that if we don't love ourselves. If we don't actually love ourselves first, then loving anyone else becomes that much more challenging. Um, would you would you agree, or would you see do you see it differently?
1: Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think a lot of us neglect that because it's this you know people say this you know hashtag self love and self care. We say it, we talk about it, but what does that really mean? Because to every person, it means different things, right? And are we taking the time to do that? Sometimes self love is not cool. Self love sometimes could mean staying in on a Friday, you know, uh, on the couch with your with your friends and not doing that fancy Instagram worthy thing. That could be the self care that you need because you just had a long week and you're exhausted working 50 hours, and what you really need is a good night in and, and an early bedtime, mm. <laughs> and that's not cool, right? And so not <laughs> so a lot of us just just glaze over it, and you know maybe we'll go get a massage or maybe we go get a facial and call that you know self love and and move on. But to me. Self love and self care is so essential, and, and meditation for me is at the heart of that. Um, yoga is tremendously helpful. I recommended I'm that annoying friend that's like always, you know, recommending yoga because it's so good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but but I'll do it because I, I find uh, so much benefit um, in it. And then every time I walk out of the studio, every time I walk out of my yoga practice, I feel so much more loving that I can take that with me to the outside world. I could take it to my family. I could take it to my friends. I could be that much more tolerant to that guy that just, you know, cut me off in traffic, right? So if we're not, if our cup is not full, we can't possibly fill others.
0: Besides yoga and meditation, what other practices do you have for, or things that you do either for yourself or for others to encourage or spark or uh, develop more self-love? mm
1: mm-hmm. Nature. Nature to me is maybe even more powerful than meditation. I think being in nature and in touch with nature is more impactful than a yoga and a meditation practice. There's something about being in the woods, in that quiet and hearing and and being really present, right? We talked about being present, being in the moment, hearing the sounds that are around you, feeling the sensation of, of the wind or the fresh scent from the ocean or lake, or, um, you know, just feeling the ground beneath your feet and walking through the different terrain, to me, that just fills my soul and my heart with everything I need. And I think that's a really, really big problem, especially when you look at the, the urban neighborhoods where there isn't that presence of nature. So you have kids who are growing up, um, you know, in busy cities, and the only time they see nature is maybe when they go on vacation, You know, where I really feel that the presence of nature needs to be um, just a constant, ongoing thing in our lives. Uh, Whether it's, you know, a walk in the woods or, um, you know, being by a beach or a lake, there's something so refreshing and I feel completely whole, at ease, and complete when I'm in nature.
0: Is there anything people can do right now? Like if they're not in nature, they're sitting in their office, they're, You know, they're sitting at home listening to this as they get ready for work or they're in their car. Um, Anything that you do to cultivate or that you write about to like, hey, these are this is a way to practice or or develop that kind of self-love muscle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think actively seeking inspiration. I think that's something that's a job that each one of us has to do on our own, because as much as I love to write inspiring pieces and, and create meditations and try to help others. I need that for myself as much as I need to put it out there. So I'm always constantly in search of the next book, the next that's going to make me feel good or teach me a few things or open my mind, you know, expand my horizons. I'm always looking for that podcast or maybe it's a documentary. uh, Maybe it's um, a, a YouTube video, right? Like right now in this time and age, the resources are abundant. It's up to us. To go out looking for it. And it's all out there. It's in a matter of what you look for. So I made a conscious decision um, a couple of years ago to stop watching the news. And I know that probably makes me sound ignorant and like really, um, uh, I don't know, selfish. But what I realized is that every time I turned the news, my, exi- my anxiety spiked. Before I, as I was getting ready for work, Within the 15 minutes that the news were on, I heard about every fire that happened, how many lives were lost while I was sleeping. And this is what I, this is the first input before I went out into the world. So now I'm going out, I'm stepping out into the world from from my house. I'm getting on a train or a car, whatever that is. And I'm in this fear of, wow, this is a really cool, uh, cold, cruel world out there. And I'm putting myself out there. And this is the kind of energy that creates frustration and anger, you know, and, and, and social environment. So I eliminated that source. It doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on in the world, right? Because I can go and I can seek it and I hear it and still finds me. (laughs) It's just that I'm not continuously feeding it to myself. I'm not constantly listening to the Fox News and their ideology. I'm not listening to CNN and their ideology, right? And their propaganda and their agenda and constantly, uh, you know, finding confirmation bias in that way. So for me, that was a pivotal moment when I just cut off that negative Mm -hmm. source. So as much as I want to get out there and find the positive sources, I also want to find sources of negativity and kind of, and block that out.
0: I love that. I don't watch the news anymore either. And I still, I go online and I look and I read and I, and I look for things to read and and inform myself, but I do it on my terms. So it's not like I'm being infiltrated. It's like, no, I actually go get what I need to get. And then, um, when I'm in a place, right? Like I think when we wake up and whatever we put in our face or our brain first sets a tone. Um, okay. Um, I love that you, what you t- kind of talked about because the way I heard it and the way I speak about it is it's our job to generate ourselves. It's not even in a podcast like this, like you're, you're saying if we go to the, the very root of it, you're just a human being making sounds. I'm just a yeah. human being making sounds. And, the person listening is the one that gets to determine if they generate value because five people will listen to this and go, wow, that was really valuable. That was really great. And five people will go, that wasn't. And five people will have some other story about it. And it really is up to us as individuals in any situation, at your job, at your church, at your temple, with your family, with your partner to be the one that generates the excitement, generates the fun, generates the value, generates the love. It's not up to other people to do that for us. Absolutely.
1: You're, you're so right about that. I, you know, I, a lot of times it comes down to um, self-doubt and insecurities that causes the most trouble in our lives. And every one of us, you know, questions our own self-worth and we're, we're our own worst critics, you know, and, and we feel that we're not important enough and, and maybe who cares about what I have to say. I truly believe that each and every one of us has something to that we can gain from. I'm sure that Alex, you can tell me stories from your life that will enlighten me and inspire me and motivate me,
0: and I
1: and could scary, do the same for and you. Scary scare and, you.
0: And, uh, maybe <laughs> all, right. All I don't know you, that. Will scare I, you and bore you. you. All, yeah, all the areas, yeah. right? If yeah. you lived a full life. But
1: so, so does the guy at, you know, at the grocery store clerk. So does the person, yep. you know, at the post office that you're standing next to in line that could maybe tell you something that. Is like that homeless person did for your guest, right? Mm -hmm. Like that changed their moment. He didn't know that was gonna happen. So being aware, being present in that moment and open to all possibilities is really important for our growth.
0: Yeah, thanks. What do you, um, how do people like reach out to you? I know they can, I shared already, they can go to Love Paper Pen. And you put a lot of things on there. There's a lot. It's actually really detailed. When you go to the website, um, there's a lot right on the front. But then when you click on all the like the headings, they all have huge <laughs> drop downs, and there's just a lot of information. Um, besides Love Paper Pen, are there ways people can reach out to you, connect with you? What are the best ways?
1: Yeah. So I, you know, of all the social medias, I probably just default to Instagram the most, just because it's short and sweet. Um, And um, I definitely am pretty present on there, like I said, except with the exception for, you know, my weekend time, which which I try to keep for myself. Um, So that's one way. And also uh, for anyone interested in meditation, I am such an avid um, lover of this practice because it's done wonders for me. I strongly recommend uh, an app called Insight timer. It's a free app. Um, there are some paid features that are available. But the general um, uh, accessibility is there for free. There are a ton of meditations um, that could be so soothing and helpful. And I I teach guided meditation there. So you can definitely look me up there. It's um, I go by Aliana.
0: Nice. Okay, awesome. We'll put uh, the links and everything in the show notes. Thank you so much for um, I don't know that I've done a whole podcast on love before. Um, (laughs) I've done, I've done lots of segments talking about love and, um, but you know, once you threw out there that you were an advocate for love, I was like, well, we might have to just play this out and see where this goes. So, um, Aliana, thank you for being here. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for bringing your gifts. Um, I think this might, you have a, a great sounding voice on a podcast. We together might have a, um, People might just be soothed away by the, the sounds of this podcast. Um, but thanks for bringing your heart and your soul and your vulnerability and your life to this today and sharing it with me and my guests. Um, and thanks for what, what you're up to with a love paper a pen. Um, the world needs more people that are advocates for love. So thanks for being one of them.
1: Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you about this. And I want to thank you for everything you do and, and for everything that you are. And just don't stop. Keep going because uh, someone out mm-hmm. there is listening and it's making a difference.
0: Thanks. Well, I know that those are true. I have keep going tattooed on my forearm. So whenever somebody <laughs> says to me, keep going, it's I like, love that. it's my mantra. I have be-
1: I have B present tattooed on my arm.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's my whole, th- my, it's totally my thing. Like wherever you are, just keep going. Like if you keep going, you can never fail.
1: I like that. I might need to borrow that. I might need another arm. For that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if yeah, do it, go for it. Um, thanks again for being here.
1: Thanks Alex. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream. And I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, Please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.